right, how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? And let's open our Bibles, if you will, to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians, chapter 5, page number 1247. If you have an old Schofield Bible, I want to kind of go back, if I may, for just a minute. And we're going to look at this text here tonight. And I want to just pick up on another word that the Holy Spirit longs to produce in our life, another flavor of the fruit that He longs and desires to produce within us tonight. All right? Galatians, chapter 5. Don't forget the service Wednesday night. We're looking forward to having a good time together in God's house and trusting the Lord to help us as we meet together this Wednesday night. And then again, please invite folks to come with you to church next Sunday. It's easy to get folks, or normally it is. I don't know about these days, but normally you can get people to come to church with you on Christmas and on Easter. So let's just take advantage of that. And I don't know if they'll get saved or not, but I'll tell you what, I'm sure going to try my best to present Jesus to them. And that's going to be up to them what they do with that. But let's really pray that God will meet with us and help us in these days. All right, Galatians chapter 5 tonight. Look at verse 22. The Bible said this, but, well, let me back up and just read verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, witchcraft hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I mean, this is such a bad list, Paul said, and anything goes along with this, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I also have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul said, man, if this is the standard of your life, if this is the routine of your life, Paul said, you're not saved. Now, I do agree that a Christian can, can mess up their life and maybe commit one of these sins right here. But let me just say this. He won't live in it. Amen. He won't relish in it. He won't roll in it, friend. There'll be a God that'll come looking for him and the conviction will set in and chastisement and God will either get him right or God will take him out. I still believe that works in these days. I think it's how it works. I really do. You say, well, I know so-and-so and they turned their back on God and went out into sin, deep sin, been there for 25, 30 years. Well, I might well just say, have they ever been saved to start with? I don't think God takes 25 years to come calling on nobody. And, uh, but anyway, let's read on. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, and then tonight the word long-suffering. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight. I pray, speak to our hearts, and help us with this flavor of this fruit tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last several Sunday evenings, we've been involved in a series of messages that I've entitled Fruit full living. Emphasis on the word full. Of course, the Holy Spirit longs to produce fruit in our life. One of the things that we know is the will of God for our lives is for each one of us to, uh, to live and lead fruitful lives. Fruit that bears evidence to the fact that we are God's child and fruit that brings glory to our God. I think maybe I said this a couple of weeks ago, but can I tell you, bottom line, our fruit tells our story. Our fruit tells our story. You see, it's entirely possible for you and me to say one thing with our lips, but the undeniable truth is how we live our lives speaks louder than what we say with our lips. The Lord Jesus said it like this, by their fruit 
you shall know them. You know, Jesus said that fruit reveals the character of the tree. If you and I walk by a tree and there's apple, apples hanging off the limbs of that tree, pretty good evidence, man, that's an apple tree. And the truth of the matter is if we have good works hanging off the limbs of our lives, that's pretty good evidence that the tree is good. However, the equal and opposite of that is true as well. If the limbs of our lives are filled with corrupt, tr corrupt fruit, no matter what we say, it tells us there's something wrong with the tree. Our fruit tells our story. Well, the Holy Spirit Spirit longs to produce his fruit in our lives. When you and I become a child of God, the Holy Spirit took up his abode in our lives. And as I've said this before, God loves us so much that he'll, he'll, uh, he'll take us just the way we are. And I'm glad for that, but he loves us so much that he won't let us stay that way. Because when God saves us, God immediately goes to work on us. The Holy Spirit immediately goes to work on us, and he has but one desire, and that is to convince form us into the image of God's own Son. We read that over in the book of Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit longs to conform us to the image. And by the way, look at that word image. That's where we get our English word icon from. You know on your computer you got all those uh, maybe on the left hand side or however yours works. You got all those icons over there. That's where we get our English word icon from the word image. And it tells me this that God, the Holy Spirit wants to cause us to be representatives of the Lord Jesus down here on this earth. And daily, as you and I surrender and yield our lives to the working of the Holy Spirit, then the end result is he reproduces the life of Jesus in us, causing us to be good icons, to be good representatives of the Lord Jesus. Well, I've told you, as we look at verse 22, we find the nine flavors of the one fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives. Again, all we've got here in verse 22 and verse 23, all that is, is a picture of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to make you and me resemble the Lord Jesus. If anybody ever walks up to you and asks you, hey, what was Jesus like? All you got to do is say this. He was love. He was joy. He was peace. He was long-suffering. He was gentleness. He was goodness. He was faith. He was meekness. He was temperate. That's everything that Jesus was down here on this earth. Inwardly, he was love, joy, and peace. Outwardly, the first one we come across tonight is the word long-suffering. Can I say this? Jesus is long-suffering. And what I want to do, yeah, thank God. Amen. Uh, he knew me, but he loved me. He knows me, but he loves me. You know what that tells me? He is a long-suffering Savior. Let's talk a little bit tonight about that word long. What does that mean, long-suffering? Well, number one, I want to talk a little bit about the delay, the delay of long-suffering. So now, so that we're all on the same page tonight, let's define what it means to be long-suffering. When I say that Jesus is, was, and is long-suffering, what does that mean? Well, the word long-suffering is actually made up of two words. The first word is a word called makros, makros, and the second word is the word thumos. And so what that means is the word makros means long, and the word thumos means tempered. And literally what the word long-suffering means is that someone who is long-suffering, 
long-tempered. Aren't you glad that our Savior is long-tempered? Aren't you glad that he's patient? Aren't you glad tonight that he is not easily provoked? I'm glad our Savior tonight is a long-suffering Savior. Now, that's true when it comes to two areas. First of all, when it comes to the subject of wrath, I'm glad God is long-suffering. Now, we know people who have what we call in our day a short fuse. You know, there are people who can just fly angry at the drop of a hat. I'm talking about at a moment's notice. And we say of those kind of people, man, that guy's got a short fuse, don't he? You know people. You may work around people. By the way, is anybody in here has got one of those? Is there anybody in this room tonight that's got a short fuse? You can fly up fly off, fly angry, mad at a moment's notice. You know what real, real Will Rogers used to say? He used to say that people who fly off in a rage never make a good landing. And that is so true. When you and I have a short fuse, I, ladies and gentlemen, we're never, ever going to make a good landing. Are you quick temper tonight? Do you fly mad at a moment's notice? Can you just go off and erupt like a volcano at the drop of a hat? Do you get angry and just spew molten hot lava out of your mouth, destroying anything and everything in its sight? Boy, I sure am glad God's not like that. Amen. I'm glad God, I'm glad God is a long-suffering God. In fact, can I show you something that is mentioned 10 different times in our Bible? Not one, not two, not three, not five, not eight, not nine, but 10 times in our Bible, we're told this about our God. In Psalms 103, verse number eight, the Bible said, the Lord is merciful. Can I have an amen? I think I need a better amen than that. The Lord is the Lord is merciful and gracious. And then it says this, slow to anger. Aren't you glad he don't fly off in a rage at the drop of a hat? Aren't you glad that when you mess up, God just don't get so quick-tempered that he just reaches down and just zaps you on top of the head? He is slow to anger, and he is plenteous in mercy. We all ought to be thankful tonight 10,000 times that our God is slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He suffereth long with his people. By the way, if God had a short fuse, I dare not say there wouldn't be a one of us sitting in this building tonight. Can I have an amen? If God flew off at a moment's notice, I'm telling you, probably not a one of us would be sitting in this building. We'd all, number one, either be in hell or God would have already taken us out of this world to be dealt with at the judgment seat of Christ. But aren't you glad he's a long-suffering God? When it comes to the subject of wrath, God is long-suffering. By the way, can I say this? I said a moment ago, I don't think it takes God 25 years to deal with anybody. I still don't believe that. I still believe that when a Christian goes off into sin, I believe with all my heart, it don't take God no 25 years to get over where they're at. But I will tell you this, I'm glad when it comes to his wrath, he is long-tempered. He is long-suffering when it comes to wrath. But then I thought about this, when it comes to waiting, he is long-suffering. You know, God never gets in a hurry. I don't know about you, but I, I get in a hurry. I don't like to wait for nothing. Ask my wife. I mean, I am, I am, man, I, I just, I get tore all to pieces if I have to sit still in traffic for a while. Now, don't look down. We ain't praying. I don't like to wait in traffic. I don't like, I, don't, I hate it when they tell me when I go through McDonald's, pull up. I hate that. 
is fast food. Fast food. You don't wait on fast food. Pull up. I went to one the other day, and I could see that look on her face. I said, ma'am, please don't tell me to pull up. She said, pull up. I don't like to wait for nothing. I don't like to wait in line. I don't like to wait at the doctor. I don't like to wait at the, at the restaurant. Have you ever thought how stupid that is to wait at the restaurant? You go out to eat, and you have to wait to be seated. Then you have to wait for them to bring your menu. Then you have to wait for them to take your drink order. Wait for them to bring your Pepsi. Wait for them to bring your food. Then you got to wait for your ticket and then wait for your change. And then they have the audacity to call that fellow that tends to us the waiter. How stupid is that? That guy's not the waiter. Look right here. We are the waiter. Instead of saying patrons, they ought to just call us the waiter. Well, I'm glad God is patient. He is patient and he waits. Aren't you glad God never jumps to conclusions? Aren't you glad that God never acts without thinking? Aren't you glad that he patiently waits? Aren't you glad he can see down the road? Aren't you glad that God can see what we can be, what we will be maybe down the road, and he doesn't act in a hastily manner and ups and just takes care of us and all at one moment? I'm just glad, I, I, number one, that he is a long-suffering God. The delay of long-suffering. But then I thought about not only the delay of long-suffering, but I thought about the display of long-suffering. You see, the one thing that we find about God as we read through the Bible is illustrations of his long-suffering, illustrations of his patience. You know, when you read through the Bible, there are all kind of demonstrations uh, given to us throughout the Bible about the long-suffering of God. Now, let me just say this. God does have limits. I'm not preaching some kind of milk toast kind of a God, some kind of a mamby-pamby God, just let everybody run over him. I don't, I'm not preaching that kind of a God to you. I'm telling you God has limits. I believe with all my heart God has lines, and if those lines are crossed, there is nothing left but judgment. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he's long-suffering? I got to thinking about this. It encourages my heart that our God is a long-suffering God. We know that in the days of Noah, when the whole of humanity and the whole of civilization had corrupted their ways, they had totally deserted God, they had removed God from their way of living, they had removed God from their ways of thinking, yet God was at work in that civilization. Noah was preaching. The Holy Spirit was striving. And God was waiting. Look at this verse right here. I'm talking about in that wicked of an age, the Bible said, God, which sometime were disobedient, when, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God, there's a whole civilization of people that had totally abandoned God, but God didn't abandon them. There's a whole civilization that had totally given up on God, but God had not given up on them. God was waiting up in heaven. I mean, when men was doing that, which was evil in their own imaginations, when men uh, were giving themselves in marriage and drinking and lust and all that stuff was going on, God was sitting up in heaven waiting. While the ark was preparing, waiting. Even after God told Noah and his family to come in the ark, God left the gangplank down for seven more days, waiting. 
Boy, aren't you glad? He's a long-suffering God. I read over the book of Exodus about that great sin of the nation of Israel. Can you believe what I'm about to tell you? You know the story. But here's Israel. They've just come out of the land of Egypt. God brought them out. We just talked about the Passover. God literally destroyed the empire of Egypt just to get his people out. I mean, man, the plagues, the, the frogs, the lice, the locusts, the, the, the water to blood. I, man, all of that. The hail falling from heaven and then the plague of the death of the firstborn. And God brought his people out. And I mean, man, they hadn't hardly got out of the land of Egypt till Moses is up there in the mountain for 40 days. Aaron has had all the people to break their earrings off. That's a good indication men don't need to wear earrings. And, uh, and God had them all to break their earrings off and their chains off and their necklaces off and put them in a pot and made a golden calf. I'm talking about just freshly out of the land of Egypt. There they are falling down before a golden calf and God knew all about it. And can I say this? God did get angry about that. I'm telling you, God was angry about that. But Moses turned right around and said this about God. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and Moses was just reminded of how long-suffering that God really is. I'm telling you, friend, God's a long-suffering God. God suffereth long with people. I think about the Lord Jesus, how that, while he was here on this earth, how he displayed long-suffering. I could sum up the long-suffering of the Lord Jesus in only one word, Calvary. If you need a demonstration of the long-suffering of our Savior, all I got to do is say the word Calvary. He didn't call the angels. He willingly submitted to all that mankind did to him, abused, abhorred. He, he uh, was abandoned. He submitted to all of that. Let me tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because he is a long-suffering Savior. I thought about the, dis the, 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 the delay of long-suffering. And I thought about the display of long-suffering. But number three, I want to talk about this, the doorway of long-suffering. Now, here's the amazing thing, because we need it. The Holy Spirit wants to take the same attribute of God and reproduce that in us. I don't know about you, but I need that every day of my life. You me tell you why I need it? Number one, difficult people. You know why I need to be long-suffering? Because I have to deal with people. You know why I need to be long-suffering? Because I got a family. You know why I have to be long-suffering? Because every day of my life, we work around people. I work around, you work around people. And buddy, we need long-suffering simply because of difficult people that we're around constantly in our life. Can I go back and say this? What a difference it would make in our homes if we just had love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. Aren't our homes in a mess? 
I mean, we're in a mess. I'm talking about even inside the church. There was a time if you were in church, your home was pretty well insulated against all the problems that are out here in this world. But can I tell you something? Man, we got problems. We're up to our eyeballs in problems at home, at, in our homes, even inside the church. Marriages are in trouble. The, the wife is falling out with the husband. The husband's falling out with the wife. The kids are uh, just tearing people's hearts out. And man, I mean, it's just, it's just terrible. Boy, don't we need long-suffering. Just because we live in a family, we need long-suffering. I read a good question this week, and I want to pose that question to you. And the question that I read was simply this. How would you like to be married to you? Oh, who said, uh? We got to pray for this section right here, man. That one hurt. Somebody said, uh, right here in this section right here. I don't know how my wife puts up with me. I'll tell you how she does. She's long-suffering. Don't look down. Aren't you glad somebody suffers long with you? Aren't you glad for that? You know why we need long-suffering? Because every day of our life, we have to deal with difficult, difficult people. Some of you need this in your marriage tonight. You need to suffer long with that marital, that, that spouse. You need to suffer long with them. You say, but preacher, you don't understand. He has broke my heart. I get it, I get it, but I broke the heart of God. You broke the heart of God. You say, preacher, you don't know how she talks to me sometime. Oh, yeah, I know how I've talked to God before. And God was long-suffering. We need long-suffering, number one, simply because we have to deal with difficult, difficult people. And we need to be able to suffer long with people, to bear long, to be long-tempered with people. I'll tell you what, friend, this stuff of just flying off in a rage, and I mean just spewing stuff out of our mouth, you're not doing anything but destroy the very people that love you. God help me and you both. To long, be long-suffering. Hey, to have a long fuse and not a short fuse. We need it because we have to deal with difficult people. We also need it because we have to deal with difficult problems. We got problems in our life, problems that aren't going away anytime soon. And ladies and gentlemen, how we deal with those problems is we need to be long-suffering. Wait on the Lord. Wait for God. Don't jump ahead of God. You're going to mess up. Don't lag behind God. You're going to mess up. Wait on God to take care of the needs of your life. Long suffering. I heard about this man. I read this this week. His name, now get this, his name was Pearl Wait. Pearl Wait. Let me tell you who he is. You maybe hadn't heard of this old boy. He was a construction worker and he had tried his hand and a little bit of everything. I mean, he was an inventor. And I mean, man, he had tried his hand and just a little bit of everything. He dabbled in this. He dabbled in that. He'd try mixing things together and making up concoctions. And then he would try to go door to door, knocking on doors, trying to sell the concoction that he made. Pearl weight. Well, one day he was in his kitchen. I mean, he never, he never could get off the ground. One day he was in his kitchen, uh, with his, in, in the kitchen with his wife, and he came up with a brilliant idea of mixing fruit flavoring with granulated gelatin. He mixed it up. They put some ice around it. It became hard and it tasted great. And his wife said, let's call it jello. That's right. Pearl Waite invented jello. 
And then he started going door to door, knocking on doors, just trying to sell his newest invention, Jell-O. Well, guess what? After about eight weeks, he became frustrated with the whole thing. And he sold the rights to his Jell-O to a man by the name of Orator Woodward. And he sold it for $450. This Woodward man then turned right around, and in eight years, he turned it into a million-dollar Visit. In fact, every day in America, 1.1 million boxes of Jell-O are sold every day in America, and Pearl Weight, nor any of his descendants, gets one dime of it. You know why? Weight couldn't wait. He was not long-suffering. He was not patient, and because of that, look what he threw away. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I can destroy more in a one-minute rant than we can build up in a 25-year testimony. One moment of anger can tear down everything that we've tried to build up. Do you not understand? Can I, dads, dads, look at me. Boy, we need to be long-suffering. We need to be long-suffering with our wives. Suffereth long with her. Love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives need to be long-suffering. Us men, we're not perfect. <laughs> Why am I telling you that? Not that you don't know that already. We're not perfect. You wives need to bear long with your husband. Boy, don't we need long-suffering when it comes to dealing with our kids? Don't we need long-suffering when it comes to dealing with our children? Don't we need... Boy, this is something that only the Holy Spirit... We, by nature, are angry people. We, by nature, are just looking for a place to explode. We, by nature, are just looking like a volcano, a place to erupt. You know what we need? We need for the Holy Spirit to produce within us the flavor of the fruit called long-suffering, and we need to learn how to suffer long with people and with problems. If I were to mention a man by the name of Woody Hayes, many of you would remember old Woody Hayes. He was the coach at Ohio State University football team, college football. I don't know how long, decades and decades he was there and really built up a great name. And I can't remember if it was 78 or 79 when Ohio State was playing, of all people, they're playing Clemson in the Orange Bowl, which was at that time the national championship game. And right at the end of the game, Clemson had intercepted a pass, which ensured them that they were going to win the national championship. And when the, the Clemson ball player who intercepted the pass ran out of bounds right in the area where Woody Hayes, the coach of the Ohio State University, was standing, and he got that guy and he grabbed him by the face mask, and Woody Hayes, I mean, cold-cocked him up under the mask. I mean, literally just, just knocked the old boy down. And, and in one 10-second deal, he tore down a lifetime of a testimony that he had built up of being a good coach in college football. He resigned in shame in that one moment of anger. Maybe that's the reason the Bible said this, be ye angry and sin not. I'm preaching good to families tonight. Boy, some of us men need to get a hold of that anger because I tell you something, you're not doing anything but destroying your wife 
when you let your tongue tear her to shreds because you're angry at what happened to you on the highway or you're angry, angry at what happened to you at work that day and you come home and you take it out on your precious wife or your precious children. God have mercy on somebody like that. And you ladies, you ladies sitting here, when something goes wrong and your husband comes home and all he can hear is everything, and I mean, you're just down his throat. Can I tell you something? Bless your heart. You're not doing anything to build up your marriage. You're tearing down with your tongue because you can't get a hold of your anger. I'm preaching good. I'm not preaching good, but what I'm saying is good. We need long Suffering. Where do you get it at, preacher? Only place I know. Surrender the Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I can't fight this anger on my own. Holy Spirit, I can't win this battle against this anger. Uh, this old filthy mouth of mine. Every time I get, not mine, but I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying. This old filthy mouth. And every time I get angry, here I go, tearing off and crossing the line. You know, you can be angry and not sin. That's the reason the Bible said be angry and sin not. Nothing wrong with anger. Did you know God gets angry? Did you know Jesus got angry? I mean, man, he went in the house of God and acted like it was a WWF wrestling ring one time. Turned the tables over, made a whip, started running people out of the house of God. It's okay to get angry and sin not. When your anger controls you to the point you cross the line and you get over to an area spouting off stuff that you got to know as a child of God, business spouting off, look at me, you don't cross the line. Your anger has led you into sin. What's the answer? Long suffering. Where do you get it at? You can't buy it at Walmart. Where do you get it? Holy Spirit, I can't win this battle on my own. I've tried and tried and tried again, time and again, to turn over a new leaf on my anger. I've tried and tried to quit using my tongue to tear my family apart. Holy Spirit, I can't do it. I surrender to you. And when we do that, He will produce within us the flavor of long-suffering in the fruit of the Spirit. Do you need that tonight? Boy, I do. I'm probably, y'all probably, I'm preaching to me, ain't I? But I need that. I need it. We all do. Some of you are facing difficult situations in marriage right now. You know what you need? Suffer long. Long suffering. Maybe you're facing a situation with your children right now. What do you need? Long suffering. Wait on God. Can I give you a good verse? And I want to say it's Psalms 37, 14. Maybe it's 27, 14. But it goes like this. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I know I'm right about this one, Psalms 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Wait on God. Wait on the Lord. Don't sell your jello too soon. You'll regret it if you do. Wait on God. Where do I get it? Holy Spirit. I can't do this by myself. Holy Spirit, I can't control this tongue by myself. Holy Spirit, I can't control these actions by myself. The only way I can win this battle, the white flag of surrender, I surrender to you. Produce within me that which resembles Jesus. Can I have an amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, help us tonight.